You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Colch Narrow Chat. It's a Sunday edition of, of the show. We're calling it Colch Narrow Chat Classic. I'm Jeremy Barron. I'm joined by Robbie Dunn per usual. Robbie, uh, a pretty good Sunday, uh, wouldn't you say, for Atletico against Betis? It was, yeah. It was very good. It was probably one of the, yeah, probably one of the better performances of the season. And um and uh, I don't know whether that was because of Bet is, the way Bet is set up and played, or or because Atletico just had the right people on the field. But uh, yeah, it was very thought it was very very, very convincing. There we are. Hey, we were just talking about having email my email open here, and I just got an email there. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. On a Sunday, who's sending emails on a Sunday? I here? know. <laughs> We need one day off from the from the Gmail barrage. <laughs> My goodness! Uh, it was, it was some, and it was spam, so yeah. Oh, of course it was. Mm. So naturally, anyway. But uh, yeah. yes, Atletico getting a three nil win over Betis on Sunday. A uh, bit of a surprising result, but as you said, definitely convincing. Um, I thought from really the the very beginning, after the William Carvalho shot was saved by Oblak, Atletico took control after that and really maintained it through the entire 90 minutes. That was, I think, their best performance of the season. 
Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say that when I was when we were just doing the intro there, but I wasn't entirely sure if it, it, I, I couldn't think back. Maybe I was I hadn't thought about it yet, so I didn't want to commit. But yeah, <laughs> if you're saying it, I believe you. There you yeah, go. I, I thought it, it, it was really good, and I was hard. I was, I was struggling to find a better performance. So yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was excellent. There was no nerves at the back. Uh, they they played. They they built or they they worked the ball through the middle and, and down the left and, and well um, they had some really nice combinations yeah I think everything just clicked today and Betis had absolutely no answer not at all and that's a Betis team that we talked about this on, on the show Friday that had been in good form they were sitting fourth entering kickoff Sunday they'd won three in a row coming off the back of a 4-1 win over Valencia and looking pretty good Pellegrini has a big squad with a lot of options a uh, bit of a surprising 11 from, from him. No Nabil Fakir in it. Hector Bellerin was not available due to a stomach virus. Borja Iglesias also on the bench. Uh, and that might have conditioned uh, Atletico taking control early. It wasn't, I don't think it was Betis's uh, best starting lineup. And Atletico came out with a, a very strong lineup, conversely, playing in another new formation, Robbie, a 3-4-3 on Sunday. Yeah, it looked like... Um... It's 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 really quite fluid in the end. Like I mean, the the when when we say like three five two and that, and we focus on that, I think it kind of sometimes it can take away from the kind of roles on the field mm. and the, the the roles, but also the combinations of players in certain areas of the field. So, for example, Rodrigo de Paul and Koke was a nice balancing act in the middle, which was similar to uh, Wednesday night or Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, Thursday night. Uh, and it was similar to, to, to Herrera and Coke, but Rodrigo de Paul, I thought, was far more disciplined. Uh, now, granted, there wasn't as many questions asked of him, but it was, it felt like it was far more balanced and it was far more... Um, it was far more solid than what we saw against, against Levante. And um, I think... Yeah, and I think... When you said there earlier about Borja Iglesias, or sorry, um, William Carvalho's shot, there was a couple of times in that first couple of minutes where it felt like they're going to get at Carrasco. And when Carrasco is pinned back like that and being forced to defend, that's when Atletico tend to struggle. And uh, he, he event- they eventually kind of fixed that. And he started kind of getting out a bit more. And he just defined that whole first half. He was absolutely excellent. And uh, I think... Um, more so the, the the formation. I'd be focusing on the the kind of what they were being asked to do in their positions and how and how um, and how well they executed. Yeah, and usually the the combination or the uh, the associative play is like the literal Spanish translation. I love that the associ- yeah, yeah. associative play is usually a lot better when Carrasco and Correa are both on the pitch. Because Correa especially is got the start today, his first start in over a month in La Liga, and mm. he's really good in tight spaces. He's a really he's got a really low center of gravity. He he turns on the ball really smoothly, and he set up the opening goal for Carrasco. Um, and really Carrasco just had a dominant game. I thought Robbie completed eight dribbles, a goal, and an assist. And the opening goal was. Uh, a golazo, as it is said in Spain, uh, a rocket off his left boot in a mismatch with Martin Montoya. Yeah, amazing goal, wasn't it? And he, yeah, he looked, he just looked inspired, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, definitely. And he often, he, he often does look like that. And you're looking at him going, 
this guy's got it all and um, his close control his his he's kind of got that agility and and and, and swing of the hips that uh lamar has maybe slightly more rigid than lamar but he's got that little kind of a, a shimmy to, to to lose a player to lose a defender and he showed it off on uh, today or in the first half especially he was he was he was incredible and then um, on Correa I think I think it's like I don't know like I mean you're waiting for Lamar to come back you're waiting for you're waiting for Lamar to come back you're waiting for Llorente to get fit and you've also got Joe Felix like and we've talked about this before and we, we, we probably won't get into it today because it's not it's not an issue and it's not a it's not a, a trend that, that's come out of the game but I just wonder like Angel Correa was dropped um, because Griezmann was bought, but I think he has to, maybe not has to start, but he deserves more consideration. I think it was just kind of assumed, and I assumed, and I think he is probably the weakest link in in some ways. But it just seems for this Atletico team, maybe he is the answer there. Uh, but the problem, I guess, is that when he has a bad day, he's a really he 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 can just think to play out of it, like you know. Yeah, yeah. When this has been a, a a kind of a bug through Correa's career is that when he's when he's playing well, he's playing really well, and when he's not, it's it's really tough going for him. He started to develop that consistency, um, or improve and get more consistent a year and a half, two years ago. And it was unfortunate that Griezmann comes back and Correa kind of has to drop to the bench. This was his first start in, in any game in La Liga or the Champions League in a month. But he made the most of it. And if he continues to make the most of his opportunities, it's just going to... And he can force his way back into Simeone's plans. This was a good opportunity for him against Betis before they go to Liverpool on Wednesday. And I think he made the most of it. Four key passes for him, misplaced only one of his 27 passes and the assist on the opening goal. But he really thrives um, in this kind of game. It's more open. Um, he is just, he's got great close control. He's very good in, in these these kind of tight windows of play. Um, I thought he played really well. And you know, if it gives Simeone a bigger headache, then I think that some that's something the coach will accept. It's like, how do I manage to get three, four attackers on the pitch at once? Yeah, and I think, um, but I think the only, the only, uh, the only thing is, and this is kind of take away from it, um, and it's a little bit unfair because you can only kind of play against who you're playing against. But it was relatively easy out there today for um, for Atletico. I felt like I felt like Real Betis. They were neither sitting back, and I can't understand leaving Nabil Fekir out. There must have been something wrong with him. Yeah. But, um, leaving him out and so they were but they so they kind of went a little bit more maybe defensive uh although yeah yeah they would have yeah because yeah that's what they were i think they were trying to go for but it absolutely didn't work and um, and so they were kind of neater and the game was wide open so like i understand that um that correa was was good and, and he, he played well but at the same time the only knock is that it was betis and betis I, I I think I'd say if if um, if Pellegrini had that one back, I think he'd probably line up differently because it just felt quite easy for Atletico all, all all afternoon. Yeah, the plan wasn't particularly clear for Betis, and 
Uh, they, they have a pretty clear attacking philosophy most games, or a possession-based philosophy, but Carvalho and Guardado were kind of dropping deeper when Atletico were in possession, dropping close to that defensive line. Um, so it was, I, I guess, in a sense, more of a defensive setup, but that's not Betis' strength. Their strength is on the ball. Their strength is when the game is a lot more open, and they tried to shut it down a bit in that first half, and Atletico took the lead anyway. Yeah, and, and I think I think when with Guardado and and um, William Carvalho there, that's obviously more defensive. Um, and, and what I think they were trying to do was get Rodri out wide against yeah. Carrasco, and make him defend. But Carrasco was just so good um, in against Montoya, he had his number, and Rodri wasn't really tracking back. So that just kind of negated anything Pellegrini was trying to do. And I think if if Pellegrini, like obviously we won't know, but like Nabil Fekir sitting as the number 10, kind of making Koke work, because Rodrigo de Paul, neither Rodrigo de Paul or Koke are particularly, um, they're, they're, they're not like um, defensive midfielders. They're not... Uh, that's not their trademark role. Like, it's not mm. like there's a Kondogbia there to keep an eye on them. So that would, if they had had Fekir there, it would have made Koke work a little bit harder, and it would have also made um, it would have made Jimenez maybe step out a little bit or, or something like that. Uh, and and it would have asked a lot more questions of that back three. It would have asked a lot more questions of uh, Koke and and and. Um, but Atletico just kind of there was a couple of times where they just walked through them in the middle, and it was, it was lovely. Associated play, as as you said, <laughs> but but it it did feel like it was a little bit too easy for Atletico at times. But having said that, it was just what the doctor ordered because Atletico have been struggling massively, and in, in as as we've talked about on the pod time and again, it it a three nil victory didn't flatter flatter Atletico, and I think that that's exactly what they needed. Like, when it was 1-0 and Betis were kind of coming back into it and kind of like, I was like, oh, Atletico might concede here just against the run of play. But then, obviously, they got the second uh, through an own goal after a couple of chances and then the third from Felix, which was which is a big goal for him. Yeah. And I just think that it was, it settles a lot of nerves. It solves a lot of kind of... Uh, uh, doubts that that might have been kind of starting to creep into Atletico's Atletico's heads, especially entering a huge game at Anfield on Wednesday. Uh, the Carvalho shot early on was Betis's only attempt on target for the entire game. Robbie, um, to what can you credit Atletico's defensive improvement in this game? Is it just a simple matter of Stefan Savage coming back into the eleven? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I, I think um, I think so. I think that. They didn't look as nervous, but having said that, there weren't uh, again. There, there wasn't as many questions asked of them. Um, but but I, I but I think Rodrigo de Paul helped as well. He just has a uh, he has like a he just he's like he's like a man. He's like a man. He, he just takes control. And I know he's only new and it's he's only three months at the club, and it's kind of ridiculous to say this with the likes of Koke there for so long. And, People like like uh, Griezmann and, and Suarez, but this is when Rodrigo de Paul is on the field. This is his team, and that is astonishing to me that mm. he could step into a team like that, coming from a club that that didn't do particularly well in Serie A. Like it wasn't like a, it was a marquee sign. It was a marquee signing in the sense that Simeone really wanted him, but he wasn't like a a world-class player coming to Atletico as in he had played with Valencia before and went to Italy and, and then came back and 
but he has just almost every single game uh, that he has been on the field he's he, he exerts an influence that I think is goes beyond uh, any kind of metrics or anything like that and I just think that he's he 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 knits things together. He he gives Atletico a bit of drive, and he he he's solid. He's he's strong. He's got it all. Like he's actually a joy to watch. But yeah, he's. Uh, I think in some ways this is this is Rodrigo de Paul's team when he's on the field. He's a player with tremendous character and personality, and for everything that he offers, like he's really got just about the whole package as a midfielder. Uh, Atletico got him for a relative bargain, right? 35 million euros from Udinese. And he's a guy who his adaptation period did not take very long at all. And you could probably argue now that he's fully adapted. Uh, He does everything. He passes accurately at really just about any distance. He creates chances, breaks lines. He draws a bunch of fouls. He's got like three lungs instead of the normal two that most humans have. Uh, and That's it. he's yeah. physically just sorry, sorry. physically immense, and he can do a bit of everything out there. Yeah, and you, you, I thought you were going to say you, you said he's got a tremendous. Um, uh, what, what did you say? You said he's got a tremendous uh, ability. I thought you were going to say he's got a tremendous capacity. It feels like he's <laughs> he, he has a tremendous capacity to do loads and loads of work, and, yeah. and he, like he just looks mean. He, he he he's no nonsense. Um, he looks the part. Uh, I remember I remember Luis Enrique saying um, about Pau Torres. He was like, he's got it all. He's he's fast. He can play with his ball. He can play, He can pass. Uh, he's tall. He's handsome. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that about Rodrigo de Paul. He's 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 fast. He's strong. He's handsome. He's everything. He's got it all. Jeremy. <laughs> he's the perfect man. <laughs> <laughs> the complete, the perfect midfielder, perfect man, even. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the perfect man, yeah. But, tall, um, a tall, handsome stranger who can break up play and create chances. Exactly, yeah. No, no, I, I do, but, but I do think this is, um, he, 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 him back in the side, he just he just kind of changes things and makes, makes, um, makes Atletico tick a little bit, just a little bit smoother. Yeah, he. I thought he had another great game, his second one this week. And DePaul and Lema together, when Lema comes back, hopefully that will be this week, but when Lema comes back, those are two guys who, when they're together, Atletico should not have any issues progressing the ball into the final third. Because you watch DePaul play, and you notice when he's on the ball, it just it goes forward. The ball just gets yeah. into the final third. It's always a positive, progressive delivery. Mm. Uh, it feels like there's like a momentum behind him, like carrying him forward. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, and and I think um, it, it will be interesting to see who drops out. But I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about Luis Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think he, like I mean if he's the like back me up here. Is he not the odd man out here? No. With Suarez, as we've said, it's difficult because there's always the looming threat that he can get a goal at any minute, but the fact that you don't know when it's going to come or if it's going to come at all, the past couple games it hasn't. Today was another one of those games for Suarez where it looked like he could score, he was going to score, but it just didn't happen because of the physical limitations and his first touch has just basically left him if it's outside the 18-yard box. Uh yeah, and and Atletico, 
are they the style is more fluid honestly at times when Suarez isn't out there it's a problem for Simeone potentially because Suarez needs time he needs to establish a rhythm and a flow in the game but how long can Atletico afford to wait when you have Griezmann continuing to improve you have Correa assisting a goal today you have Joao Felix chomping at the bit off the bench and getting his first goal at the end of the game. Cunha scored on Thursday against Levante. Right now, yeah, I think that argument has some legs to it, that Suarez, of the five forwards Atletico are carrying in the squad, Suarez is the one who has the most goals but is in the worst form right now. Yeah, and, and obviously he, he offers something very, very different to, to uh, anyone else on the team, almost anyone else in world football, but... He, he needs to be producing and, and, and this is the problem because if he doesn't play he's not fit if he doesn't play he's not happy but then if he plays he takes he could have these stinkers and then um, and, and, and uh, like it's fine when Atletico get away with it because he but like I'm just looking at his heat map here and like I mean it's like it's pitiful like it's kind of nowhere near the box and yeah it was just a he tried an he tried an outside the boot cross to Koke in the first half, and I nearly screamed. Like, don't ever try that, that again. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. But, uh, well, Koke looked Koke looked like a, an old man in that play. He was like going forward, but he Koke is 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 a strange one. Like because obviously he's a legend and a let it go, and he's a spiritual leader of the team in ways, and uh, but like. He, he, there's there's just a kind of a, a selflessness to him that uh, that is actually bordering on lack of confidence or lack of belief in himself. Like there was a chance in the first half where he chested it down to nobody. Right. Yep. Just spin and shoot, like or, or just hit it first time, or hit it, just let it touch off you and point it towards goals. Like what? What? Like you know? And it's kind of I get the self sacrifice and the kind of lack of the the, the selflessness and all, but that. It actually starts to kind of uh, it rubs up against a lack of belief in himself, and I think that you, you, you get to the point then when it's like, I guess it's good as well, and that he knows his own limitations, and he prefers Suarez to get a goal than him because it doesn't really matter to him; it's not his game. But uh, but I think um, but I think yeah, he just uh, he probably needed to needed to shoot on that occasion. And there was another one. Well, not the, the, the second one. The one in the second half was. Um, was uh, Suarez shot and Koke was inside him and I was just looking at the replay like in Koke if that's any other player like Griezmann or anyone like they they'd say to Suarez like pass it through to me now having said that it, Suarez was true on Suarez was, he, he just, it was the right option to shoot but mm-hmm. I was just looking at Koke and he was like he didn't even he didn't even think he wanted it he, he didn't even want it like you know but um, but anyway yeah that's kind of a, a tangent there about uh that's something we're not even talking about, but anyway. But I, I just wonder how, what this season's going to look like for Koke, because he had a, a long summer making it to the semifinals of the Euros with Spain and didn't have much rest, barely. I don't think he played at all in the preseason, if I can recall. Like He may, he may have played part of one game. Um, but, yeah, I, I just wonder if it's going to be kind of a, an off-season or a down year for Koke and how lethal that could be for Atletico if his form doesn't improve in the coming weeks and the coming months because he's we talk about Koke a lot and not noticing him when he's on the pitch but we definitely notice him when he's not there we definitely notice when he is not 
uh, being the, the selfless leader that he has become uh, in recent seasons as he was named the captain a couple of years ago. But I just wonder where Koke is physically, like what his physical level is at, because he's not in particularly great form. He did have that opportunity in the first half that he could have chested it down and then fired it into goal himself, but just couldn't quite get on top of the ball. So I, I wonder where he is from a physical standpoint and if and when he will improve. But then again, Atletico are, have so many options now. When healthy in midfield, you have DePaul, Llorente, Lema, Condogbia as well to offer more cover. Um, does that reduce Koke's potential importance to the team, even if he's not operating at his best? Yeah, well, well, that, that's that's the funny one. Like, I mean, he's he's the kind of player who probably isn't going to age well, and we we, we kind of have to accept that he's he's thirty now, I believe, and and um, he's played a lot of minutes. He's played a lot of minutes. He, he's been playing. He's twenty nine. He's thirty in January. He's played a lot of minutes uh, 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 for a team, and and not just a lot of minutes. Like a lot of minutes, like Sergio Busquets. He played a lot of minutes for early early um early uh, era Diego Simeone he was chasing the ball he was shuttling he, he he played in that central midfield slash left midfield role and he um he did he put a lot of miles on the clock and was never the most physically gifted player anyway and 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 it, it's funny though because Luis Enrique uses him and he looks not, not like he doesn't look any more like a, a lot more athletically um uh, uh, talented than than he does with Simeone, but he does look more, a little bit more mobile, and he does look a little bit more kind of active. I think in whatever it's 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 behind Busquets. See, this is the problem. I think it's that old school Atletico play Rodri, play Thomas Partey, play uh, Gabby, or play whoever in, in as a defensive midfielder. And Colkes plays just in front of him, exactly like Luis Enrique does. That's his position. The problem now is, you, he, uh, Simeone, is trying to fit. Uh, trying to, he's trying to get by without that defensive midfielder because he's got so much attacking talent. So Colkes is being asked to play a Busquets' role or a or a Rodri's role, and that's just not him. Right. Um. And this is this is the issue. So I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't worry about. Um, I wouldn't worry about uh, his form in that sense. It's just what he's being asked to do currently. And I think that. Uh, I think essentially or, or effectively in the end. Well, I, I think it's kind of a moot point because Simeone's not going to drop him. Simeone would probably rather drop Joe Felix. He would rather drop Lamar. Uh, maybe Lamar. He'd rather drop. Someone else. He's not dropping Koke. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, which is, which is nice. I mean, he's loyal. He's like, I think he'd actually. I, I, I think if the boat was going down, it'd be Koke and Simeone left on it, and Simeone, or yeah, Simeone would just be like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not letting go. <laughs> and, which, which, which is nice. I mean, and, and and he is like, I mean, I think he is loyal to Koke in that in that sense, and. Uh, so I don't think it really matters. He's not going to be dropped, but I just think he could probably do him some more favors by by playing Rodrigo de Paul beside him, by playing Marco Sorrenti beside him to pick up some of the slack and kind of even just giving him a half the pitch to worry about. Because when Koke is is um, when Koke is beside Herrera, for example, Herrera is a little bit too kind of 
liberal with, with his uh, going forward and, and, and likes to be on the ball and that. And, and probably uh, uh, Rodrigo de Paul sits in a little bit more and, and, and is able to get up and down more more easily and, and he can sense danger. So uh, so so that helps Koke. So yeah, I think I think that's probably what we'll see going forward. Rodrigo de Paul, Koke. But then, of course, you've got Marcus Llorente to come in and that's another puzzle to be solved. And Lema too, and Kondogbia, who's really the only natural defensive midfielder in the squad. Yeah, that's that's why the Koke Herrera pairing didn't really work at Levante because Herrera is more of an offensive pivot. Uh, Herrera likes to dictate pace and have time and space in, in possession, and that doesn't really help Koke. To free up Koke, you need someone who works really hard and can track back and make recoveries. DePaul, Llorente, Condogbia, uh, th- those guys are more natural uh, partners for Koke. But it, it's an interesting one. And we'll see, because Atletico have been playing a, a few different ways so far this season and trying to get results on the board. So it'll, it'll be a situation that will certainly evolve in the next few months as there's still so much of the season to go. Uh, in the second half on Sunday, we talked about it a little bit. Betis did come out of the, the dressing room improved, although not really challenging Oblak, getting a bit closer, but still not able to, uh, to, crack, uh, to crack the score sheet. Uh, Atletico doubled the lead just after the hour when Herman Pedzea with a bullet header, Robbie, just into the wrong net. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and Atletico actually had a number of had a number of um, opportunities from set pieces and stuff before that. Yeah, uh, bunch and, of corners. Yeah, there was a load of uh, Suarez had a free header. Uh, uh, Hermoso scored. Jimenez had sco- uh, got, went really close, and um, yeah, I think I think that yeah, Betis have an issue there from set pieces from and from crosses coming in, and I think that Atletico really uh, really took advantage of them in, in that sense. And I think with Betis improving in the second half, I mean, at the end of the day, this Betis team isn't a bad side in any way. Like I think Pellegrini probably got his his, his tactics wrong. They're probably not the best uh, team to play against the Diego Simeone side, even when Diego Simeone, even when uh, this particular uh, Diego Simeone side has been leaking goals. I think they're the kind of team to play a, a style that suits uh, Atletico. And I think without Fekir, it made them even less uh, uh, less. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less. Less threatening, really. Less dangerous. Less threatening. threatening yeah, less threatening. Less threatening than 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 uh, without him. And I think that when we saw Betis kind of improving a little bit, I think that was just a natural. Right, lads, come on, we are, we're going to have to do something here. And I also think it was just a little bit of the residue of doubt there from Atletico uh, from the past few games. They were kind of like, like we need to, we need to settle down here, like you know, and mm-hmm. and. And obviously, if Betis get the goal at that point, I mean, they didn't really have too many chances. They had a couple of kind of bits of chances, but nothing really. But if if Betis get that goal, then uh, the, the the whole thing changed, you know. And I think Atletico knew that, and until they kind of got the second, they were probably doubting themselves, and uh, not doubting themselves, but just kind of that tiny doubt sitting at the back of the head. But uh, yeah, they, they they saw it out and ended up kind of winning comfortably in the end with it. Joe with Joe's third goal, which is excellent, by the way. Yeah, he arrowed that goal in with the left foot. His first goal in eight months, believe it or not. And 
yeah, it was. Um, I thought it was a smart decision to leave him on the bench. Levante really took it out of him on Thursday because they fouled him so much. Um, and you do have the Champions League on Wednesday, which we'll get to in, in a minute or two here. Uh, but Felix comes on for the final 20 minutes, gets the goal 10 minutes from time, uh, initially chalked out for offside. I thought it was offside, actually, hmm. at first. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't actually remember if I saw a replay. I think I did, but I saw a weird angle of it. Um, but uh, he took it really, really nice. I thought he just finished it so well. Yeah, he did. I think he's just, yeah, I think everything about him right now is just kind of, and he said it about, about three weeks ago, he said, he said, I need a goal. He played really well, and and, um, and he, he, I think it was against Milan, I think it was, and he said, yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm playing well, and I'm, I'm I'm doing well, but he said, I I just need the goal, he said, I need I need to get a goal and kind of solidify this and kind of put it, set it in stone that I'm back, so, uh so, yeah. And we'll see if he can take off from here. Since that red card against Athletic, uh, so that was half a dozen games ago, a goal and two assists and a, some very good performances across that half dozen game batch. Uh, and we'll see if the end product um, now follows. It's it's hard to say because he's still so young. He, he only turns 22 next month in about 10 days. So he's still such a young player with, with, such a, with so much time ahead of him. But... It's difficult to say whether the player he's going to be is, is one that doesn't register a lot of goals or assists. He doesn't have them so far this year, but that doesn't mean that he can't get there. After all, he did say during the last international break that he can be on the level of Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe. I think he can, and, and I think it's been actually forgotten that, like, Atletico Madrid have a, and, and I know that the market is whatever the market is, but at the same time, Atletico have a, a, a hundred million euro youngster in their team, and we, we we've kind of forgotten about that in the sense that his form hasn't been good, and we were kind of thinking maybe he might, well, we don't know what's going on with him. But if they can get seventy or eighty percent of of the Joe Felix that we thought he was going to be before he came to Atletico, the the, 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 the Joe Felix that Atletico Madrid signed. We've got a player, even if he's just a, a, a level slightly below, um, slightly below uh, Mbappe, we've still got an absolute baller. Like Atletico Madrid have an absolute baller on their hands, and I think that uh, given the talent in the squad around him, uh, he can and and, and the, the, with the uh, so so opponents won't be able to kind of zone in on him. He could be. He could be said for a, ser- a proper breakout year here. Like, oh, I agree, absolutely. With the ankle problems, hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed, behind him. Like he's, we've seen this for almost three full seasons now, two and a half seasons now, nearly. That he is a really gifted player. He's really talented. The question, the questions have been application and and fitness, and the the fit with Simeone and his his health itself. He had COVID last year. He had the ankle problems again, but now he's overcome that. And he, even in kind of adverse weather conditions today with how rainy it was in Madrid, um, great, just a great finish on, on grass and a playing surface that probably wasn't uh, really optimal for him. And a really good cameo for him. He gets that goal, and we'll see if he can kick on from there. Uh, what did you make of Griezmann's performance? 
Um, yeah, I think he's getting back, to his, and he's another player that's going to be- benefit from the talent around him. Uh, like like the, the understated talent around him, um, like Rodrigo and, and as I said, Joe Felix and, and, and Carrasco. Um, yeah, I think he looks like he is getting back to where he's just, uh, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but he just kind of looks like he's getting back to the point where he's enjoying himself. Like He, he, looked, he looked really self-conscious for the majority of his time at Barcelona even when he was kind of going well he, there was a kind of a, a, something about him that was just holding him back whereas now I think he's he's home and he, I, I, he considers Atletico Madrid his home and I think I think um, I think you can see that in his play I think he's moving more freely I think he's enjoying himself and he's he's kind of got his belief back and I think that uh, yeah like I mean a, a, another player who's only 30 and just um could 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 still has the ability to be to, to be a top, I don't know, ten, fifteen player in the world mm-hmm. on his day, and with the talent around them, like yeah, if 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 uh, if Atletico can can kind of get it out of him, which I think it looks like they're starting to do, they uh, they've got another absolute ball around their hands, and I thought he was good again today, yeah. Yeah, this was forgotten during his time at Barcelona uh, because of the the circumstances surrounding his transfer and the the club crumbling around him at, at really as as he was playing the institution was just crumbling um but Griezmann was and is an elite player and even enter, yeah. entering his 30s he's still a top drawer forward and i think Simeone has started to discover that he can't really play Griezmann behind the two strikers he's um, more and more turning toward a line of 3 um, and I think that's helping Griezmann as well. It's getting him more involved in the play. He can drop deeper without really running into anyone. This was a problem during Griezmann's first games. He was running into Marcos Llorente's space, and that was just destroying Atletico's attack. Uh, when Llorente comes back, we'll see how, how Simeone aligns it. But for now, playing Griezmann in this line of three, the combination play is better. He created four chances on Sunday. Uh, two shots on target as well. It looks like he's getting back to his best. He got a goal against Levante. And we'll see if his end product follows as well. Just a lot of options for Atletico. And um, they had the defensive solidity to back it up today. And overall, a good win. And now they're in the top four, just two points off top spot in La Liga. Yeah, like like, like I said on, on the pod during the week, this season is setting itself up to allow Atletico find themselves. And I think that that's bad news for the likes of... Uh, Real Sociedad, Real Madrid, uh, anyone that's kind of thinking about challenging for this, because the fact that none of them are pulling away and making Atletico pay for their for the the draws against Villarreal, against Levante, against well Real Sociedad, and I think that once Atletico do find themselves, like yeah, they've got the best team in the best squad in in in, in La Liga. Yeah, it is definitely, if not the best, I don't, I don't think there are more than one or two that are better. And yeah, we, we did talk about this on, on the Friday pod that with so many teams dropping points and no one really looking convincing, this year more than really any other in recent memory, you can afford to drop points in what's looking like an 80-85 max league. Uh, and Atletico still have that, that game in hand, which could come in handy, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, that game in hand against Granada, which will be made up at some point this season. Granada have not been playing well, but that's in, in the possibly far future. 
for now, uh, this was uh, this was much needed for Atletico. This result, this margin of victory, the way they played, the sensaciones um, around this are good. Uh, but Wednesday brings a, a new prospect in the Champions League, Robbie, and that's where we're turning our attention now. Uh, Savage and, and Griezmann won't be playing in that game. Both players suspended. We'll see how many options are available in midfield when Atletico travel to Anfield to play Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, a 2-2 draw against Brighton on Saturday and still unbeaten in the Premier League, uh, top of the Champions League group. How do you see this one going? Can Atletico pull off another Anfield miracle? Possibly, yeah. I think it will tell us a lot as to what it, what Simeone is thinking in terms of Felipe and, and what he does. Cause possibly he could um, he could uh, go back to a back four, which which given how given how dangerous Salah is, he might just kind of try to play maybe Mario Hermoso. Or would, yeah, that wouldn't make sense then. But yeah, if he plays Mario Hermoso as a left back and tries to get control of um, of of Salah there on on on, on Liverpool's right. Uh, and if yeah, uh, with Savage out, I'm not sure. Like, but it will also pave the way with Griezmann out for Felix to start, obviously. And then, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think uh, Liverpool are probably uh, most informed team in 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 the in Europe right now. So this is a huge test for for Atletico, and and uh, which will yeah, it <laughs> could go either way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, some kind of result here is needed. Uh, Atletico losing this game in Anfield, uh, obviously pending the result of Porto and Milan, but if Porto beat Milan and Atletico lose at Anfield, Atleti would be in third, uh, three points behind Porto with just two games to play. Still a head-to-head meeting with Porto, but a loss plus a Porto win would make things very complicated for Atletico in terms of qualifying. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and... uh... Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, it's huge. It's huge for them. Even just kind of as you said, the sensaciones and and just how how they, they like a result here would be absolutely huge for Atletico, given the fact that how they just lost to Liverpool and and uh, but yeah, I'm at a tough task and and yeah, there'd be that little bit of needle there because of the Simeone Klopp thing and all that comes with that. So um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, let's see what's uh, what what transpires. Yeah, it is a a massive game, and we we know Liverpool because Atletico just saw them a couple weeks ago and a couple years ago. We we know generally how they're going to play. The form that Mo Salah is in right now, another assist for him over the weekend against Brighton, which Liverpool did have a two 0 lead, but Brighton rallied to get the draw in the end um, at Anfield. An impressive result for Brighton. Um, so oof, this this is gonna be a tough one, but this this was a big game today on Sunday. A lot of pressure was on Atletico to get a result today and avoid Madrid, Sevilla, etc. from pulling away. They did that. Um, I'm not going to hazard a prediction here, uh, because well we we know how well those go, but oof, yeah I, I don't know. This is a tough one. Atletico need to get something out of this. They need to get a draw. Yeah, one all I go with. One all that's bold. Come on, yeah. Okay, well if, if you're if you're gonna be bold, then I guess I have to as well. <laughs> Oof. Four and L. <laughs> that that's that's just irresponsible. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that's just that's just downright dangerous. I'll say two one at Letico, why not? 